I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. Welcome back, friends, as we enter the first full week of Lent. Those of you who have listened to last week's episode, and if you haven't, you've got to go back and take a listen. Know that this year for the Lent Challenge, we're spending 40 days in a rather small book of the Bible, the book of James. We've put together a small print run of a 40-day reading plan along with daily devotions called Beautiful Life, 40 Days in the Book of James, where we look at what it means for you and I to live truly stunning lives. Now, we still have a handful of copies available, and so it's not too late to grab yours at the Margaret Feinberg store online. If you already have your copy, you can interact with others going through the study at Margaret Feinberg at the site under the tab, The Joycast. Over the last two months, I've been paying extra close attention to the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. Now, some of you may be thinking, Margaret, why would you take such an interest in it? Well, the reason is that my husband Leif and I traveled to Singapore in 2017, where I taught at an event hosted by the International Baptist Church Singapore. We immediately fell in love with Pastor Rodney Wu and his wife, Sasha. It was such a remarkable church. I mean, at the Sunday service, their congregation is made up of people from more than 50 nations. Can you imagine? Worshiping there, it is just, it is a taste of heaven. And if you want to see your church become more multicultural, you've got to get Pastor Rodney Wu's book, The Color of Church, a biblical and practical paradigm for multiracial churches. Honestly, it is so good. Well, when the Wu's invited us back for an event this May, we jumped at the opportunity. We've kind of been geeking out all things Singapore rereading Pastor Wu's book and making popular Singapore dishes like chicken and rice. We have been so excited. But then the coronavirus appeared. And I started wondering, how will that impact our friends? How will that affect the church? Will we even be able to make the trip to Singapore? So I began watching extra close. What I noticed was that shortly after the outbreak in China, Singapore was the number two nation with the most cases of infection. And several of the clusters of infected cases were traced back to several of the churches in Singapore. Now, none of those happened at International Baptist Church Singapore, but Pastor Rodney and his staff had to navigate the situation. I mean, do you continue to hold church? How do you protect your members? How do you rise above the fear? How do we, as people of faith, respond, and how should our response be different as followers of Jesus? Now, currently, because of the quick and brilliant response of the Singapore government, the cases of coronavirus have not seen a large increase or escalation like other nations. But what Pastor Rodney is seeing is people coming to know Jesus, growing deeper in their faith, and rediscovering the power of prayer and the scripture and following the Holy Spirit. He and his congregation have been embodying what it means in the book of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where it says, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What you're about to hear will inspire you. It will encourage you, and it will give you the tools to live courageous in the face of coronavirus. So pull up a chair. You cannot afford to miss this timely, powerful episode. Pastor Rodney, it is such a delight to have you on the Joycast. It is great to be here with you. Uh, I wish in some ways it was under different circumstances, but I am so thankful for taking some of your precious time to talk to us today. Uh, You have been in an unusual position in that you have been pastoring and leading International Bible Church in Singapore. And shortly after the coronavirus, Singapore was actually the number two country for a while with the most cases, if I remember correctly. Is that is that right? Yes, we were number two um, other than the cruise ship, I think, um, for a long, it felt like a long time, I'm sure. It's it like two or three weeks there before Korea overtook us. And what makes it unique is as a pastor and leader, you are as a person both encountering this news. Uh, kind of on the front lines of it, and then having to pastor and lead a church through that. Talk to me about what it was like when when it started to hit Singapore, what you saw, what you experienced, um, and how that related to the local churches in Singapore. I remember um, when we first heard it, obviously out of Wuhan and Hubei province, we actually stopped and prayed for our churches and the house churches um, in China during that initial week when it all became known before we it affected us directly. And so we were kind of spiritually prepared for that. But when the first cases began to come out in Singapore, all of a sudden this not so distant, I mean, China's relatively close to us, but it became very personal and very, uh, the proximity of that um, took a different level. So I think that shifted, but it did help that we were praying for Wuhan and Ubei um, a week before it, kind of moved to Singapore. And that call to prayer is something that we all need to hear, that we do need to be intentionally praying for our brothers and sisters and nations around the world, as well as our own nation. But you've shared with me a little bit how the churches um, were were some of the places where the clusters developed. Can you, can you explain that to our listeners? I think when it really, the Singapore government's a, an amazing um, system of efficiency and preemptive moves. So they're really on top of everything. So that kind of helped, but then they were able to target and I'm not target, but locate um, where the uh, sicknesses begin to emerge. And so what happened on that was that um, there were several churches. I think the first instance came in another place, uh, but the second and third were actually located in churches. And it seemed like some people from Wuhan had visited a church, uh, a mission church, and then that group went to Grace Assembly, and that's where two of the clusters began to form. And I think Grace Assembly, the senior pastor, actually contracted the virus, 
um, and several senior leadership. So they had 60 staff members and all of them were quarantined. And um, several of the staff members had had the virus as well. So it, it was it, it got really personal, really close, really fast. How did the churches respond? Um, I, I can imagine that there's so many levels. I would imagine some churches canceled uh, services or activities. Others kept going. How did that unfold? What did you see and what did your church choose to do? Wow. And you said it well, there was a wide range of responses where some didn't do, did not do anything. And several of them went to the other extremes. The Catholics um, all uh, suspended all masses. Um, There were probably two or three very large churches outside of the clusters that were maybe average attendance of 12,000 or 16,000 each week. And they suspended their services for the quarantine days of 14 days. So that was one. And then um, there were a couple others that were not affected, but they had members who were with people who were affected. So um, we immediately put some things in place that the government um, recommended, such as temperature checks at the door. So we bought all these thermometers that you read the temperature just by flashing the forehead. Then they have what they call tracing, um, um, contact tracing. So you would get a little QR number and that way they would know and we would know who would be at a place at an event. So in case there was a case, everyone could be notified and could be tracked down and be quarantined. So we took some pretty extreme measures. We told people who were sick, coughing, runny nose, sneezing, temperature, or if you were young or if you were old or vulnerable to stay home during this time. So a couple follow-up questions. So when you talk about this contacting device or number, I, I can't even imagine what, and I'm sure our listeners as well are wondering, like, what did that look like? Is that is that like a little tag you get or what, something on your phone or what was Yeah, that? it's part of the phone. And so whenever they signal that you're in, your email shows up, your, your contact number, your email, your whatever way that people can contact you. So if the case does emerge out of our church, then everybody on that contact list for that day would appear. If there's a leader or pastor wondering, how do I access that technology? What advice do you have? I think, um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I hear them talk about it and, and we have people that are very much available to help in that area. But it is, um, I think if you just go into contact tracing, um, I think there's a lot of information that's on that now because I think the different governments are doing it now, not only Singapore, but they're definitely doing it in China and Japan and Korea right now. And I think that's what's getting Korea in trouble right now because the the church or the cult there is not giving up names. And so they're trying to track them of people who may have come in contact with the virus and may be spreading it. So when the news that there were clusters in Singapore hit, what did that look like in a practical level? I, you know, we're already hearing a little bit of rumors in different places. I know in Hawaii, you know, hundreds of, hundreds of people lining up outside of Costco, um, which I am all things Costco. So, <laughs> you know, let's go shopping at Costco. But, um, but what did that look like in Singapore as far as were shelves cleared? Was there a lot of fear? What did that look like? I'll give you a personal note and I'll give you the prime minister's note. Um, a personal note, <laughs> I went to a, a, the, the, the grocery store nearest and, and all the, the shelves were empty of certain items. And I'll just leave it at that. And then the prime minister gave a national address. Um, in fact, some people call it the, 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 like the king. He used an Old Testament king. I think it was Josiah or no, Hezekiah that would give an address to the nation. So he, he said, guys, do not um, worry that there's enough toilet paper and instant noodles. 
so you do not have to buy those. So it was kind of, um, you know, in in Singapore, the, the basic necessities are toilet paper and instant noodles for some. Um, I'm sure in the U.S. it's something else, but they, they were definitely buying everything out. I think in Hong Kong, um, there was actually a, a arm robbery of a van that was carrying toilet paper that they actually stole. I mean, it was really, so you're hearing all these crazy stories. So that, that would be one reaction on the ground. Um, it, we lost tourism there. They're estimating that the, the hotels in Singapore, which is part of primary source of um, income would be anywhere from 30 to 50% capacity right now. And the food and beverage um, industry have lost 80% of their business. So these major areas kind of looks kind of looks like ghost towns in a way, some of the tourist areas and people just aren't getting out. So um, even the locals, they're, they're not getting out. So you can get a seat in any restaurant, anytime, anywhere. So it, it's an unusual feeling right now. One of the things your sweet wife, Sasha, sent me was this um, picture of the government. Uh, it might have been your wife or one of the members of your church sent me this kind of government statement that comes out every day and it shares, this is the number of total number of cases. This is the number that have been released from quarantine, released from the hospital, you know, the number of deaths. And, and it's interesting because one of the numbers that we don't see uh, in the news as much is really how many people are just released and and coming out healthy again. Um, But I feel like the way that that government has your incredible Singapore government has, has handled this has just been giving very clear information. So that helps with the level of fear that that can rise it up. It does. Out of the 104 that are in Singapore, there's probably 70 that are recovered, um, and they give reports. And they they always go by case number. So whenever I say case number, and there's actually one from Grace Assembly, the case number 48, um, I've used in the sermon the last two where he was quarantined and isolated from his family, and but an amazing story where his wife had texted him when he was getting. Um, bad mouthed on the social media and it was really harsh. Um, his wife says, um, the Lord's mercies are new every day. So let's raise a hallelujah. So that's been kind of one of our themes the last two weeks and Sundays that we need to raise a hallelujah because of what God is doing that he's faithful. So you get to hear stories, but they're a lot of times attached to a certain number, like the case number. They don't give names, but they give case numbers. What have you seen among your congregation in the response? I mean, we're, we're humans. We, we all have our moments of fear and panic and nonchalance. And um, what have you seen? And is it is it a wide range of responses? It is a wide range. But I mean, uh, I think in this environment in Asia, uh, I think fear would be the number one response. Um, I think SARS kind of put it in people's minds. So that that lays a historical framework. And but so we've countered with um, maybe obviously quoting Psalm 91 quite a bit. In fact, we're going through Psalm 91, um, a couple of verses each podcast, but we're sending out two videos a week called Hope Nation. And so we're just interviewing people, giving words of encouragement um, throughout the week to give a kind of a video presence and a visual presence. The other one is we're turning our people and challenging them to turn outward, to be light and to be salt, to be um, people of hope, um, to minister and let this be a new platform and conduit to allow the grace of God to reach those people with fear around you. Mm. I'm looking at Psalm 91 right now. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I 
trust. Jumping down to verse 9, if you say, the Lord is my refuge and make your most high, the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Whew, that is powerful. In fact, I, that I, is powerful. I prayed over that. Uh, I prayed Psalm 91 over the congregation, the first case that hit Singapore, and you could almost feel a holy silence that just filled the place. It was a, When you read that psalm in the middle of this, it, it changes the perspective completely. For church leaders here in the U.S., I, I think in the last little bit, we've seen you know that the cases are emerging here in the United States and that there are clusters. What wisdom and advice do you have for pastors and church leaders who are saying, I don't, I don't even know where to go. Like, I don't, I don't know how to handle this. What are some clear tactics that you would suggest? I think this is really challenging because it's still new to us. We've only been at it for four weeks, so we're still emerging. And I think um, people don't hear very well if if they're um, in fear. So I think. We, we have tried to target just the word of God to bring comfort, to bring fear. I mean, to bring that comfort into their fear and to bring faith back into the equation, to turn people to the word of God because the reports change every day and God's word does not. Um, and also just, just to pray for one another and just, and we've really encouraged our people to gather. Um, so we've done a lot of that virtually when they feel so physically isolated and they can't get to certain places because we've suspended all activities at church other than the worship services. So even the Sunday school, um, even the Sunday school part is for the children is it, it doesn't, it can't happen at all. Um, and then the Bible studies and um, um, things like that are, are suspended. So everybody's meeting virtually and so this has been really, really challenging to actually physically meet with somebody. And God is, I think God has done an amazing job at connecting people spiritually. So I think praying for one another and staying in contact, even if it's one or two people. And I think that's changed. We can't even visit people in the hospital um, because wow. they won't let you in. Wow. Like no, no outside visitors. So we've had to wow. stay creatively, virtually connected and make it spiritually intimate. You know what you said about using the the prayer and the word of God, and we think immediately of Ephesians 6 and that, uh, the full armor of God. And in verse 17, it says, you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that is the one offensive uh, you know, tool of the armor, and that that is so powerful in fighting back fear. And it's also interesting because of in neurologically, we know that in our brains, when we the neurons of fear are firing, we cannot feel love. But when we feel love, when we sense love, the fear dissipates. Mm. And so it is a powerful shift as you ground people in the scripture. One of the things I know some people are listening is the fact that you've, you have canceled all the activities and the Bible studies that are in person in the church. How has your community responded? How how are people, how are you helping people as far as with loneliness um, and with the challenges of um, of that isolation? Well, I think our learning curve is still pretty steep in this area because we've, we've started live streaming the services, so that helps. Um, people using Zoom. 
Um, so all of our women's Bible studies, you would like to hear this. Our women's Bible studies are continuing, but everybody's had to catch up. But I think what is happening now is that we're really encouraging people to just meet people, like actually go out and meet one-on-one, um, you know, groups of two or three, even though the groups can't, they recommend that they are not in clusters of like four or five. Um, even our staff meeting, we have 25 people on screen now and I'm sitting in my office and everybody is in isolation physically. So you really have to reach out. But that personal contact, we've really encouraged our people to to go beyond um, just normal. And instead of just sending a text or, you know, sending a note, which are always helpful, is you need physical contact with somebody. So we are encouraging them to do that. So people are doing that, praying for one another, connecting with each other. Um, but it's just smaller groups um, and just with the intentionality of spiritual. So the conversations get very deep very quickly now. Um, we've noticed that as well, that a lot of the superficial conversations are not, not, not as prevalent. And really the heart conversations are getting deeper, even though the fewer contacts. That's fascinating. I know you know, we've talked and shared before about just my battle with cancer. And through that, one of the things that I noticed and anybody who's faced any serious adversity or hardship of any form or type knows is that in those moments, a lot of times what happens is that our illusions are wiped away. The illusion that we're in control, the illusion that, you know, life as we know it will always be the same. And and, and sometimes those illusions get pried from our hands, you know, that we are grasping so incredibly tightly. Yet in that moment of letting go of those illusions, we discover a greater faith and trust and encounter with the person of Jesus. Are you seeing that happen? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't think I could put that and articulate that in, in a better way. We've seen, I've seen um, several people come to Christ. And I wouldn't say just because of the virus, but I think the level of conversation has accelerated as well as deepened. And I think the whole context has changed the atmosphere. Um, I just shifted. We were doing a sermon on the Mount series, which was very applicable here with salt and light and have mercy and give mercy and peace to those who are fearing. So we were right there. But God shifted my text to Ephesians 1, um, dealing with sovereignty of God, that everything's been predetermined. And everything was chosen before. So we would say God chose you before the foundation of the earth, before you were born and before the virus. So uh, that that really has resonated with people. So I think that the word and the spiritual conversations, if I could maybe not specifically always on the virus, but more so like it has heightened, like you said, crisis heightens an awareness that you are not in control. And I think in Singapore, there's a little bubble here sometimes that um, it gives a false sense of security. And so I think this is really uh, how one person from Wuhan, China, can make their way into Singapore and completely change the landscape, pretty much convinces everybody they are not in control. And for those who aren't familiar with Singapore, and please correct me, I mean, this is a wealthy nation that is an island that is set apart. And so those elements, I think, kind of contribute to that illusion. Is is that accurate? That, that we we're fine. Yeah, it's and they do a great job, uh, obviously in the physical realm in this area. But I think we, we've actually been connecting the, the physical virus. Obviously, it can bring physical sickness and illness, and sadly, death for some. We have now also paralleled this many, many times with the spiritual virus of sin. 
And mm. I think people are looking at sin as being more contagious and more deadly. Mm. Um, and it comes oftentimes invisibly um, without notice. It seeps in and there are vulnerable areas. So we've been able to take something as physically as um, loud and profound and visible as the virus that we're dealing with and translate that in spiritual terms. And it's, I think that has actually been making the most impact with our people. Wow. wow. This, um, as we've entered into Lent, I've been inviting listeners and readers to join me in studying the book of James. Mm. And this week we've been looking at this passage and, and part of the reason that I was just so excited to have you on the Joycast is because you you are living this out in James chapter 1, verse 2, and it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I, I'm curious, you you are in, in a trial, I mean, in the midst of it. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy because God is at work. How are you experiencing that and seeing that? I think the story that has captured our hearts and it's been spoken twice um, in the last two weeks to our church to remind them because I think we are a little bit lesser on the on the front line than Wuhan and Ubay and province in China, there was a young lady that had gone to the U.S. in 2018 to follow her um, dad to MD Anderson to get cancer treatment. And she has spent the year there just assisting him. But while she was there, she was connected to a Baptist church and, and opened her heart up to Christ, learned to share her faith. 2019, she returned to Wuhan and she was able to share her faith, but no one was listening until the virus came at the end of 2019 and the beginning of January. When the virus hit, several of her members of her family accepted Christ. More people were paying attention to scripture verses because she said we had nobody else to talk to. I mean, it was just people were kind of stranded or isolated or quarantined to their home. But then she put these words, was probably one of the most profound words we've heard through all of this. She said out of James 1 and 2 through 6 and the wisdom of God, she said, we see this plague. She actually identified the virus as a plague as a disguise blessing from our father. It's, it's just captured our heart. It's like God has given us a blessing wrapped in a way that we could never imagine. And so we are seeing God's kingdom advance um, in spite of this or um, bringing good out of this because people are paying attention to eternal matters now. Wow. I'm speechless. Wow. That is such a healthy, beautiful perspective. Wow. Quite refreshing, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yes. Yes. That we count it pure, pure joy because the testing of faith produces perseverance and that it leads us to be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. But when we embrace it well, when we embrace what God is doing in it, we see fruit that is so far beyond our wildest imaginations. Whew. Whew. One of the things that we always do on the Joycast is ask for a recipe, a recipe from a kitchen for life, for facing fear. 
wondered if you wanted to share a recipe with us today. I think as we are encountering this, I think there's been a couple recipes, honestly, um, as we are. It's almost like I said, from week to week, we shift and change um, to deal with the next levels. God seems to be moving us, progressing us through this journey. But I think one of the things that have really um, made a, a profound difference in us on this journey is how we see those around us. And we've been praying Second Chronicles 7.14 over, over the people. Um, and they, if we humble our, if my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked way, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And that's really been a rallying cry of our church, just to pray for the healing of, first of all, our own heart, second of our families and our marriages and our relationships, then of our own country, our church, I mean, and then our own country, and then the world. We're just praying that God would use this call out of Second Chronicles 7.14 to deal with this plague, this virus, whatever it might be, um, that really parallels what the virus of sin is. And so Second Chronicles 7.14 has really been holding our hand over the last several weeks as we look outward as well as spiritually making sure we're okay inward to shine light and to be salt to those around us. So good. So good. Thank you, Pastor Rodney. For our listeners who want to go and listen to the sermons uh, from uh, IBC that have come out during this uh, this season uh, and may want to listen to the podcast, how do they find you? If you go to our website, just at IBCS, which is International Baptist Church of Singapore.org, um, then there's a new thing we've got called the IBC app that you download. And there's two video podcasts that we send out each week. Of, it's called Hope Nation. And we really are addressing practice. We actually had a domestic worker um, because some of the people are fearful for their domestic worker that they would get out in public on their day off and bring it back to the domestic worker's place of work, which often treats elderly and the kids. So we had a domestic worker on there. Um, so we have a variety of people who show up and kind of give practical advice and encouragement to the body. So that would be one. And then the sermons are actually dealing with many of the issues that we're dealing with this week by week. So the IBC um, app would help you out with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Rodney. And thank you for being on the Joycast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm inviting you to the first annual The Joy Conference in the heart of Salt Lake City, Utah on May 1st and 2nd, 2020. Now you know that if I'm gonna throw an event, it is going to be a party. This celebration is designed for you and your friends to gather for a Friday night and Saturday morning, to laugh until tears run down your cheeks, to experience rich biblical teaching, to encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit, and of course, a few fabulous surprises thrown in. Seats are extremely limited, so grab your ticket today at thejoyconference.com. I can't wait to see you there.